The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. You know, there's something to be said, Holly, about uh, an opportunity each and every week we have to talk with amazing, incredible, wonderful, awesome people. And I think this week is no different. I would have to agree. Um, filmmaker, writer, and gamer? Like, this is this is going to be a good conversation. <laughs> and Austin's like, what, what, what are you talking about? Austin, no, my friend, how are you? Who spilled the beans on that? Um, your Instagram. Oh, you stalked my Instagram. This is a great start. Yes. Great start. <laughs> we always do that. <laughs> we like to ask this skill testing question because we never know where it's going to go. And that is, who are you and where did you come from? My name is Austin Knoll. I am currently living in Austin, Texas, which is great because my name is everywhere and I own everything. But I'm originally from Los Angeles, California. Um, my parents both moved there to be actors. Let's see. I was born and raised in church, which is which is where a lot of my story comes from. I grew up around actors and filmmakers with my parents, uh, and I naturally wanted to become a, a filmmaker. So I went to UCLA Film School which was an experience in and of itself for three years, unfortunately, because when the pandemic hit, everything went online. So I did do four years, but the last year was kind of not the real deal. So mm-hmm. during that last year, I realized how expensive it was to live <laughs> in, especially the UCLA Westwood, Los Angeles area. Sure. Uh, and I had family out in Texas and I was on a trip and I was like, man, I can pay the same amount and, live like a king out here. So I was like, why not? So I moved out here. And then within several months, my whole family, my parents, and my two younger siblings joined me and followed me out here. So now they're living out here about 40 minutes from me. So we're all out here now. And it's really, really, really cool. Did you like leave to kind of also try to get away from the family? <laughs> You're uh, like, I want to be free. <laughs> here. No, no. We, we are uh, one of the reasons why I went to UCLA. One of my deciding factors was, was because it was only 15 minutes from my house. Um, and my, my siblings and I have a 12 year age gap. So they're, I'm 24 and they're, uh, 13 and 11 mm-hmm. or 13 and 12 now or 13 and 11. Okay. So, but, but we were all really, really, really close. So it was really cool. And they came and joined me. My dad's from here originally went to UT. That's why my name is Austin. And then we're all back here and yeah. kind of finishing the cycle, which is kind of cool. So your siblings are named Dallas and the other one is named San Antonio. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's Antonio. No, yeah. That would make sense though. Right. That'd be perfect. So what did you end up doing then in Austin? I finished my last year at UCLA and then I started working on a short film I wanted to film and that didn't work out at the time, which was kind of a bummer for me because I put a lot of work into it. But then for a few years, I had this, motivation, inspiration on my heart to write my church story. I had written the introduction to months before my film fell through. And within two weeks, I just started sitting down and pumping it out. And I wrote the entire thing in a couple months. It was meant to be, you know, Uh, it was one of those things where, okay, the timing was perfect for that. And I needed to say what I wanted to say in this book at that time. And it really was therapeutic in a way, Um, but it was really, really cool. So I've, I've been writing almost as long as I've been out here in Austin. So that's been my, been my pastime for, for the last year. <laughs> a jumble of crumpled papers, which is, by the way, probably one of the most unique uh, titles Good. when it comes to a book. Yeah. Why the title before we dive into you and writing it? I'm glad you asked that first, because if you didn't, we would have no idea. 
I say, the odds are you have no idea what this title means. And good, I'm going to leave you like that for a little while, but I'm going to spill the beans here. So a jumble of crumpled papers refers to what was was spurred on from a conversation I had with two very close friends of mine who grew up in the church with me, just talking about all of our experiences, conducting our own little personal therapy session because of some of the things we went through and the experiences we had and the things we learned. And we were talking about how it kind of feels like as if, Say every idea and belief we had about ourselves, about God, about church, about religion, about faith, were all written on individual slips of paper, organized in our minds by category, by, by context, by phase of life. Because of the things we've, we've gone through, some good, some bad, and realizing some things that we didn't quite know when we were younger, it feels like now where we are, all of those papers are thrown around in our minds kind of chaotically. They're all now jumbles of crumpled paper. We're not quite sure which beliefs and ideas we were given as younger kids are true, which ones aren't, which ones we still believe, and which ones we don't. And it was that idea of trying to sort through and figure out, okay, now I'm here. I've learned some things that I thought were foolproof in church and religion when I was growing up that I don't think may be the case anymore. I have to do- go through the work and now sort them out from this giant jumble of crumpled papers. So that's the idea. There's the, um, I don't want to say trend, because I think yeah. every generation has had that moment where they're trying to figure out what exactly is it that I believe, but deconstruction has been one of those yeah. those hot words. And it can be, I think, a very healthy thing, depending on how you deconstruct your faith. And it's about making you know, what you believe your own, not just something that you heard or learned or told that you had to absorb. So let's talk about growing up in the church and uh, let's go back in time. Here you are, your mom's in labor. You're sitting in the first pew. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Not the same time, hopefully. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Oh, goodness. Yeah. yeah. So for you growing up in the church, what was that like? Great. I mean, back in the when I was younger, I mean, I, I church was my entire life. I mean, I, I know a lot of people relate to that where I was born to the church, raised into it. My dad was the first official baptism of our regional sector of our church in mm-hmm. LA. So uh, we were there from the ve- almost the very beginning of our, of our immediate church family. Um, and I grew up going to all the Friday devos, the Sunday services, the midweeks, the, the every single day fitting something in with someone from church to do something. I knew all the lingo, all the whatever. I, I thrived in it like a lot of people I've talked to do. In any context, from any category of my life, my litmus test for what I believed was based on what I learned in church. Because I knew the people there, the the, the things, the ideologies were all things that I firmly believed in. So that was what I used for everything, for friendships, whatever else. As the years went on, I went to, as I kind of graduated high school, went to college, I went through some things having to do with, with, with a girl, which I think a lot of people, a lot of stories somehow, for some reason, kind of go that direction. Comes down we're, to a girl. We're human, right? <laughs> right. It always or a boy. Or a boy. <laughs> yeah, right. Correct. Or a boy. Um, and it was through that situation, a several long year thing where we both had, had an interest in one another and having to go through it firsthand and, and kind of experience the, the controlling 
manipulation and some 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 things that weren't great in terms of just the dictatorialship over our relationships, which wasn't even dating, just just friends who liked each other, mm. um, really brought to the forefront of my attention some problems that I didn't agree with the first time in my church history. Like, oh, I don't agree with that. That's new for me. And then I went to college and those things got worse as I tried to not resist them, but just firmly plant my feet and say, no, I believe this is right. That's okay. We can have differences here, but now you're getting more confrontational as I kind of get pushed against that boundary. I don't like how that's going that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I was in college, it's one of those things where for my entire life, I believe that this was a foolproof, this church was a foolproof, completely safe, completely true kind of vase. And then this first conflict showed me the little crack in that vase where, okay, it's not all, maybe not all how I thought it was. And because of that, okay, there's now a crack in the vase I thought was completely uncrackable. So what does that mean? Are there more cracks? Could there be more cracks? And going through college, there were more cracks where, where the way our church works, as a lot of churches do, I think, contemporary churches, campuses are, are a place where they really strive to get um, more members. That, that's where they, they reach out to young people, which is good and bad. It's not neither or. Um, but I learned through that the very, at least from my church, a very systematic uh, approach to evangelization, to to reaching out to people and it didn't feel authentic to me. And there were a lot of problems with that where people weren't being given the, the truth filled life giving promises and freedoms that the Bible offers us. It was kind of compromised for a more fast through a process, which I didn't like Um, all that together leading me to really having to decide, okay, there's more problems here than I care to admit, but I kind of have to figure out now what I believe about it all. Was this a faith thing or is this more of a church thing? Because, I mean, if you are having yeah. issues, let's say, with your church, why not just go to a different church and see? Or did you realize that maybe there was something deeper to it? Yeah, it was a church thing that turned into a faith thing. And I think the 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 idea of identity and especially when you're born to the church or you've been there for a long time. The church in many ways becomes a staple of who you are. When you think about yourself and your identity, who you are, um, for me, listing off just things about myself, right? I'm, my name's Austin. I'm 5'11". I live in Austin, Texas. I am a member of this church. That's just one of those things that are the staple foundational parts of me. And so when there are problems uh, with my church that I thought was just an arm, a limb of me that now didn't quite fit me. I'm like, okay, maybe it's not as good as I thought. And now because my faith is so intertwined with what I've been told from this church and my community, my, my connection with this church, what parts of my faith don't I believe, or what parts of my faith do I need to readjust to what I believe the Bible truly says? Um, And that led me on a whole journey of, of doubts and working through those doubts, um, deeper, deeper convictions and deeper beliefs in things that I already had believed and newer beliefs in things that I didn't before, which is really, really cool. But it, it became a faith thing for sure. Absolutely. And I'm glad it did. Mm-hmm. 
when you say that it's kind of the catalyst was a, a relationship, yeah. it reminds me of, you know, I grew up in the 80s and it was the purity culture and the I kiss dating goodbye, and then yep. having to figure out, okay, really, what does God say about purity? Um, but those are things that are still very much a part of the fabric of the um, Christian doing. Absolutely. The, the religion side of things. What were some of the things that you did to navigate this part of figuring out what do I believe? Yeah. Well, well the first thing, which surprisingly, I mean, I understand it, but it's also surprising to me was how controversial it was, was that I took a step back from church for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, one was that my immediate church community was not healthy for me at that point in time. And the other was I really felt like there was so much noise around me in this time where I needed to really just sit with myself and God and decide and focus on and work through my own personal connections with God and faith and beliefs and all that kind of stuff that I needed to back up. So I took a step back from church. I, I left my campus ministry at church, which was a much bigger deal than I thought it would be, which, which also helped me work through some, through some beliefs about that, where uh, I decided not to go to a, a devotional one night and stayed at my apartment and I got a call during the devotional from one of the leaders saying, Hey, where are you? Not in a, Oh, where are you? I'm worried about you, but Hey, where are you? You need to be marked down here. That didn't sit well with me. And I was one of those things where, okay, that's another reason why I need to back up. It's validating my decision to back up for, I didn't know how long just to be able to not be swayed by all the voices telling me where they think I need to go or, want me to go here for, for certain agendas or reasons for them, whether it's healthy or not, I needed to sit with myself. So I, I backed up and I, I did some soul searching and had a lot of talk to people, which really helped going through the same thing I was at the same time. Um, a lot of peers who grew up with me who were led in the same, very similar journey um, and eventually deciding like, okay, having this jumble of crumpled papers and sorting through these beliefs uh, through the Bible and through different talks, which is really, really, really helpful. How long was the journey from the start of you questioning things to writing the book to where uh, I'm assuming you're a very different person from the start to where you are now? Yeah. Well, it, it was it was an interesting time, a uh, timing wise, because uh, this was all happening. 2019, early 2020, uh, at least the, 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 the first kind of phase of this, which is me kind of backing up from my church. And, and that coincided with, with COVID. And then with COVID, soon after, a year after, was me moving from California completely and going to Texas. So two very poignant things that almost facilitated me kind of taking a step back. COVID, we were, there was no in-person church. And then soon after, I moved three states over completely. So I, I, it was a very physical detachment as well as a kind of emotional, mental thing for a little while. Um, and because of that, it, it, it lasted, I think, a good two years. Mm-hmm. Two or so years where I was, for a year or so, really kind of depressed and lonely because I was missing and mourning that community that I had grown, to, grown up with um, and emotionally just being in a place of, of uncertainty, which for 19 years of my life, I had never experienced with regarding to faith or church. I had never been uncertain because I'd been told what certainty was. Um, and I, and I, it was perfect for me. So it was a really, really weird time, but for two years, um, and still going on now where my family's at a church now, which I have been going to and really, really enjoy. 
um, because they're great people. But it's still a phase of being confident in being where I am and letting God and the spirit just dictate what I'm doing, which I feel very confident in, which I, I wish more people got to experience, you know? Mm-hmm. You talk about the um, evangelism on, on campus and how it felt kind of not authentic to you. I yeah. recall feeling a little bit more like an MLM meeting when I was yeah. you know, back in, back very in college. Yep. <laughs> and you're yep. like, Oh, okay. Um, so for you, now that you've started to, you know, you've gone through the journey, you yeah. are looking at your faith in a different way. How has that changed how you share um, your faith with other people? There's no outline. I feel like there, there used to be this, so I almost said unwritten, but sometimes it was written. This yeah. formulaic approach to how you reach out to somebody how you shared what you believe with them, how you got them to that first church or devotional, whatever. And two things that were wrong with that was one, it, it wasn't personal. And it was, especially for, for millennials and Gen Z and going down younger and younger people nowadays, we've been grown up. We've been, we've been raised with, with built-in authenticity de- detectors, right? So we, we, we're marketed at our entire lives so it's so easy for us to see through inauthenticity. And even when I was in, was, was in college three or four years ago, reaching out to these people on campus, they, they saw right through the facade and knew we weren't there to know them as a person. Mm-hmm. We were there just to get them to church, which we believe was good for them. So it wasn't like we weren't doing it for them, but it was also not for them, which we didn't really want to be friends. We did, but it was get you to church first. And then once you decide to be part of our group, then we'll be friends with you. And that was inauthentic. inauthentic. And the second is um, the fact that that my new approach without the outlines is that I'm actually really free to tell them what I'm really excited about, about God or about the Bible. I'm not dictated by, oh, I need to tell them this first. You need to ask them what their background is with this and then give them this scripture to kind of lead them into it. I'm just telling you, dude, I my life is so exciting because I'm being able to be led by God in this and he's showing me this right now and I'm free to do this. And, Oh, you're worried about that right now. Oh, don't worry about that. Once you know about God in this, that will not even be, you'll be so free from that. It's so much more authentic and people know it. They can really notice it. Um, And I'm really a people person. I love talking to people. That's why I wrote this book is to have conversations with people and getting to know a person for them, regardless of whether or not they're going to sign the dotted line and become part of my group. If you do great, if you don't, that's okay, but let's be friends. People in this world need friends more than they think they need God. They need God more, but they, many people believe, no, I need friends first, be their friend and then show them God through you. People, that's what people crave. And that's what will go miles. That's what I've learned through where I am now with all this stuff, which is, which is really kind of encouraging, you know? What yeah. was your family's thoughts of this as you were going through this trying to figure it out phase? I just had a, t- a conversation with a friend of mine who grew up with me, who asked me that exact same question. And he, he was having problems with, or, or not problems, but he was anxious about the fact that his parents were still very strongly rooted in, in that church. And he was kind of having some questions, not wanting to leave, but just wanting to voice questions. And he was anxious about that. And I said, the, the difference for me was this all started with that relationship with that girl. 
And I was very, I'm, me and my parents are very, very close. So throughout that entire thing, we were conversing about it. So when I started getting into problems with it, they were kind of unintentionally getting in it with me. I kind of pulled them in with me and said, you're in the mess with me. Come here, help me out with this. Um, and, and they, I'm so grateful for them because they took such an active approach in helping me recognize the root problems of the external topical problems I was facing and um, having initiating conversations with our church leaders, trying to spark some change and in ways we were doing things with, especially in the, in the youth ministries and younger adult ministries. Um, and what we realized through that was that at least in our church context, it was not being taken with open arms. It was taken with a lot of, no, 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 we're doing things right here. We're doing things right. And it wasn't just us talking. There was a lot, a lot of people addressing these issues but yet it was taken as almost on deaf ears. Like we're not, it's not legitimate. So we're not going to fix things. And the time where I kind of decided to step out, they were in it for a little longer until they also decided, okay, maybe this isn't where we want it to be. Cause they also had my two younger siblings who were at that point just starting to go into that young adult ministry, youth ministry, kids ministry. And we, our journeys paralleled each other very closely. So it was one of those things where, I never needed to go and say, hey, I'm thinking, I'm having doubts. I don't know about this church. I'm kind of stepping back a little bit. We kind of did that decision together, which was kind of cool. I mean, it, it was a terrible situation. We no one wants to go through that. But it was, I never did it alone. And they never did it alone. And we were kind of parallel minds throughout the entire decision. So it was a little different. How important yeah. was it to have not just support of your parents, but your own you know, social network? In a thing like like this, where you're questioning, especially church things that you've been told were right your entire life growing up, having people beside you who tell you you're not crazy is everything. Mm. It's, and that's, that's why I wrote this book. It, it's, it doesn't give you answers. It gives, it, it gives you answers as far as things that I've learned about myself, about church, about God as I've gone. But it gives you no answer in terms of the direction you need to be going after this book is read. It doesn't tell you, okay, the next step is to do this or go to this thing. No, because I want it to be as if I'm talking to this person, this friend directly and saying, no, 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 I get where you are because I've been exactly where you are with those questions, with those doubts in that situation. And, and you're not alone. You're not crazy. And here's what I did to kind of discern that. We talk about uh, the hills and valleys of life where we ask God those questions. Why me? Why am I having to go through this? Or why are you using me in this way? Can you think of a moment where you were asking that question? God, why me? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I would say there are multiple times for multiple different reasons, but the biggest was I think around that time where I had officially decided to kind of step back for an indefinite amount of time at that point, it was, was it wasn't one of those things where I, there was never a point where I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm out. It was taking a step back to process. And I just kind of never decided to go back to that, to my, my childhood, my childhood church. And it was around that time where, where I, I, I lost connection with a lot of my childhood friends. Of course, my, my, my real, the real ride or die friends stuck with me and we're still best friends to this day. And that was kind of the litmus test for which friends were real and which ones were just kind of phase friendships and phase different phases of life. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it was that moment where, where I didn't have a church community. I didn't have a place where I could go to and people knew me 
as a summation of my entire life. People knew me who saw me grow up and just knew me authentically by walking in the building, right? I didn't have that anymore. I didn't have a place where I could go to for ideologies and beliefs that I knew I believed 100% without having to have discernment or not having to have be cynical about it or skepticism, skeptical about it. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that. I didn't have friendships. And I was a lonely and I was unsure and I was doubtful and I didn't know what was happening next. And I was, the pandemic was happening and all of this stuff at the same time. And that, that was it. I was like, why, why me? There are so many people who are going to be able to just go through their entire life and not have to go through this because they were in either very healthy church environments or, 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 just really in tune with, with, with sound, healthy, godly, Holy spirit filled beliefs. Why did I have to go through this and have to learn halfway through that a lot of stuff wasn't, and now hit with the repercussions of no community, not a lot of friends and a lot of doubt and uncertainty. Um, Why me? Right. And now I'm like, thank God it was me because the person I am now compared to or because I had to go through all that is someone that I wish I was when I was going through it, which is why I wrote the book. I wrote it as if it was to me going through that stuff. A jumble of uh, crumpled papers, which is out now. You can go to uh, at Austin underscore Noel on the instant, my friend. We appreciate you uh, taking some time and being able to share your heart. Dude, thank you guys for having me. This is, I, I love the conversation. You guys are awesome. Super fun. I do appreciate how we as a culture over the last while, and you had mentioned the the deconstruction that we've started to just go through things like, I think we've all struggled in the past, but maybe we're just now putting something on it. Yeah. I think we've put the label there. And, you know, I think each generation goes through a phase where, you know, it's a coming of age and you're wondering, is what I believe really true? And I think it's important to ask those questions Our God is big enough to handle our questions, spoiler alert, and also just make sure that you surround yourself with people who will support you and help you in your Mm. faith and at that point in your journey. And it's interesting that you say that, Holly, because my big thing on this whole thing, I try to do like one little nugget takeaway. Mm -hmm. And my word for this was community, because I think that we need to be community. We need to be community for those who may be questioning. We need to be community for those who, you know, if you're going through something, or we just need to be a church community in the sense that. If somebody is missing from service, maybe, you know, maybe a one Sunday is a normal thing, but two or three or four, that's when we reach out and we say, Hey, notice that you're not there. What's up? Yeah. How are you doing? Are you okay? Good reminder to download and uh, check out our podcast. Thank you to everybody who has reached out. Rate and review. We got a couple more rate and reviews. I wish I wrote them down. What? Which, which, which platform? I don't know. But I just, something had popped up saying, hey, you guys are real swell and stuff. And so it's like, yeah, they gave us like a five star or something. And I'm like, perfect. Uh, you guys are swell and stuff. Was it my yeah. grandma? Maybe, could have been. But thank you if it was grandma. Or um, yeah, so whether it's Apple Podcast or Spotify, reach out on all the different platforms, rate, review, the YouTube, subscribing, click yeah. the like button and the bell and the ding and the thing. Yeah. And of course, you can always go to faithstrongtoday.com. 